Hello and welcome to this Roboter Monthly Best Ofs podcast. This will be a selection from February 2020's daily podcasts, um, all put together in a manageable half hour or so slot, maybe 20 minutes. And in this month, the selected episodes that we've put together, uh, there's one called Landfish Seabirds, where I imagined what it would be like if all the creatures that lived in the water lived in the sky and all the creatures that lived in the sky lived in the water and uh, had a bit of fun with that. I like the idea of uh, a blackbird sitting on um, a shipwreck and singing and uh, bubbles coming up out of the water and into the air and... um, things like that and then started thinking about flying fish and uh like where would they go i don't know i guess they it wouldn't have changed too much for them or would it yeah i mean they spend more time out in the water than out of the water don't they and then there's a piece called building surveyor which was about a building surveyor who had a very specific way about surveying a building and then there's a piece called talking to trees that's from the talk show and then um There's a piece called Manifesto that came about after I read all the political party manifestos in full. And that was quite a good exercise, really, just to uh, see the language that they were using. And when I read things like that, it makes me think about the other stuff that I read and just, just the words that they put together in politics. Anyway, I put them together to create my own manifesto and uh, some of the language was, I got excited about it. And then there's another piece called Climbing Up My Own Life, which uh, was from the Sky Show that I did in 2013, thinking about all the steps that I have climbed over the course of my life and how high they would get me. Would it get me to the moon? I don't know. I just I love the idea of sticking them all together all the steps from my house and experiences that I've had and uh, sticking them together and together and together and together and together and just uh, seeing how high they would go. And uh, that is it, really. I hope you're doing okay. I'm recording this in January and this is due to go out at the end of February. I wish I could see what that would look like, but whatever it looks like, I hope you're doing okay and uh, that's it. Thank you. Land, fish, sea, birds. The airborne and the sea life have swapped habitats. A crow flies as the crow flies, slowly through the dark deep of the North Sea. A jellyfish pulses towards the midday sun. Light filling her translucent hood, she resembles an elaborately tasseled switched-on rising lamp. Starfish suck at the ceiling of the sky as barnacles gather on telegraph poles. In Trafalgar Square, a blue whale bumps gently into Nelson and changes direction. The wings of a hummingbird are slow motioned as it dips its beak into coral, searching for nectar. The bees are in the seas. The peck of a chicken stirs up a small area of ocean floor. Butterflies 
glide like harmless tiny technicolor tailless stingrays. A sardine shoal stage an air show mirrored by the starlings of the sea. Flying fish don't know where to put themselves, upside down and inside out. The beak of an albatross bayonets out from the sea and into the air, plucking a bottom-dwelling carp from the surface. With his catch, he recoils from air into water. Perching on a mast of a sunken pirate ship, a blackbird sings her only hit. A tune caught in bubbles, it rises to the surface and pops into sound. The Building Surveyor One morning, a building surveyor came into the flat due to the people upstairs planning a loft conversion. The building surveyor was an elderly man called Leslie. He was dressed in a three-piece suit. He resembled Brooks from the film Shawshank Redemption after he'd been released from prison. The evening prior to Leslie's visit, my upstairs neighbour had warned me that Leslie the surveyor would want to be let into the property and then left alone. (laughs) Look, Rob, he's told me that under no circumstances will he want to talk and he is to be left alone, all right? Yeah, look, no problem. Leslie the surveyor assertively knocked on my door at 9am exactly. Before saying hello, he raised his hand and said, Ignore me, please. Pretend I'm a phantom. He walked past me and into the flat. I shut the door quietly behind him. His suit was overcast Tuesday morning grey and the colour of his hair completed his sky. His shoes were the opposite of soiled trainers. He took photographs of the ceilings on a black camera that had a rectangular corner flash and a film in it. Leslie had a wad of photographs in his jacket pocket Ceilings of days gone by, perhaps, and never got to find out. When he finished, he approached me at the kitchen table. I finished! Thanks for the nice music. Oh, sorry if it was a distraction, I said. He looked at me. The only thing that distracts me is adults. Er, I'm an adult, I said. I don't mind dogs or children because you don't have to think about what you say to them when you talk. You don't have to engage your brain. You can't say, you're a beautiful little boy to an adult. I said, what? There's a good dog. I say it to dogs. I said, you just said it to me, mate. I say it to children. There's a good dog. You can't have the one-way chit-chat with an adult that you can have with a dog or a child who is glued to the television. You have to think about what you say to an adult. You have to think about what you say to a dog, I said. You can't just let words go into the dog without thinking about the words that you're throwing for the dog to catch in its head. Dogs need to hear sounds that make sense too, you know. Well, he said, dogs' words don't make sense to me, so why should I make the effort? And then he left. Talking to trees. Talking must have been around for a while now. What was the first word that anybody ever said? It can't possibly have been, 
Hello. Can it? That would have been a bit convenient for all involved. People grunting and screaming out in frustration for thousands of years trying to find the right syllable sound sequence and then one day a person in England said hello what was the date and time when someone said hello for the first time one pleased with themselves person walking around in possession of their brand new word that they just made up optimistically saying it to trees and not getting a reply saying it to plants over and over without someone coming up behind them and saying oh that's really good for plants you know because of the carbon dioxide and then one day the person who invented the word hello came across another person probably a relative and said hello and the other person who had never heard the word hello before liked how it sounded and without thinking said hello and then they met more people and introduced them to the word they've been waiting for jumping around in excitement saying hello to each other because finally they had a word for it now and it was also great for the socially awkward because you could say hello to someone you recognize and then just walk off because there weren't any other words to say yet so you did not have to ask them how they were because you couldn't and then everyone around started saying hello to each other just like they supposedly do on public transport up north people say to me oh rob you're from york everyone talks to you on the bus up there don't they and i say no they might talk to you but they definitely do not talk to me manifesto The following words and phrases were lifted from five party political manifestos and put together to create a new manifesto. Our manifesto is based on the simple principle that a government should be both humane and reliable. You can trust us to put life at the heart of everything we do Nobody voted to be born, yet all of us are living with the results of it. As a party, we will promote our robust belief that there is no such thing as an ordinary person. We are the strong and stable guard dogs for people's dreams. We must give everyone the opportunity to access smooth fairness. You, the many, can trust us to clamp down on the hope-dodging few. Our first urgent task will be to abandon plans to reinvent the wheel. We will reinvent the point of freedom. We will extend maximum on day one. We will prioritise the maintaining of rapid access to the future through the building of a strong pipeline for hard work, stretching from ambition to success. It takes courage and determination to set up your own faith. So we will fish in creative waters to catch the public's imagination. Following the high design standards of nature, we will scrap plans for a new low-cost factory-built seaside. We will maintain free access to air. Air is the basic building block for breathing space. As a population, we are living together. This is good news. Our party understands that most people do not have time to hate. We will strengthen communities by ensuring high-quality thriving. We will reduce loneliness by delivering state-of-the-art giant bonfires. Our fundamental belief is that art needs to work harder 
but it is still the greatest soft power. We will reverse the cruel decision for the confidence to be bulldozed by fear and we will focus on our commitment to create world-class human beings. Furthermore, we will introduce legislation to ensure there are no drops in turbocharged hope. The UK has the world's oldest glorious future. The future is vital. It is the backbone of our tomorrow. But too many of us do not enjoy our billionaires in sport. So we will take action to significantly reduce the scandalous link between money and winning. We will work to bring in a ban on caged potential. We will cease the love cull which spreads hate. Health should not be contaminated with arguments. We will fight to make sure that every human being gets a guaranteed number of lifetime hours each week and we will ensure Britain remains a place. Climbing up my own life In an attempt to get up into the sky and eventually reach the moon to get a better view of the earth, I took every upward step I had ever made and stuck them together to create a staircase of my past climbs. So, every time in my life that I had climbed up onto, say, a kickstool, the height I climbed would be represented by that particular kickstool. One kickstool for every time I climbed up onto it. These were then stuck together with some sort of strong bracket, resulting in a narrow set of stairs made entirely from kickstalls. Having worked in an art supply shop for three years, I had stood up on the same red kickstall thousands and thousands of times. I watched as the red kickstall climbs were fixed together by a construction team of people who seemed to appear from nowhere all wanting to help me with my task of getting above the clouds and reaching the moon. Before I knew it, there was a thin staircase of kickstalls disappearing up into the sky with stanchions. I then began to think of all the ladders I had climbed over the course of my life and saw them appear instantly above me. Ladders from back home in York, when Dad sent me up into the loft to get the Christmas decorations down. Wooden ladders and metal ladders of all sizes came together to give me another couple of kilometres of height. Then came the stairs of my life. I began to think about every step and staircase I had climbed since birth, starting with the stairs I tried to climb when I was a baby, the stairs I was too small to climb, the ones that my parents helped me up, by holding my hand, the stairs to my old upstairs flat in Walthamstow, climbing them almost every day for three years, that has to be at least 800 stair climbs, the stairs to my university flat in Newcastle, the stairs to our new flat in Hackney, the stairs to every upper deck of a bus I have ever travelled on, the three or so stairs to the National Express coaches, the purple wooden steps up to the waltzes at the village fair I used to save up for as a child, the odd spiral staircase, the stone steps of every major city I have ever visited, 
Seeing the steps being stuck together from end to end to end to end to end, I was surprised at just how high they went. I looked up to see the structure now with clouds passing across it and began to think I may actually complete the 384,400 kilometre journey to the moon. Next came my escalator trips. London underground stations. Angel was particularly helpful. The trips to Marks and Spencers with my mum when I was little. Metal upon metal was fixed together as the world's media began to gather at the base of my upward climb. Why are you doing this, they asked. Why aren't you doing this, I replied. Next, a huge elevator shaft was built. The Empire State Building gave generously. As months of construction passed, they added up and up and up and up and up and I began to realise just how unsteady the structure looked, like an outdoor staircase, built by Tim Burton, with Edward Scissorhands as his head architect, jagged and bad teeth-like, swaying in the wind. I tried to tell myself that I have climbed all these before. I can do it again. People started to really want to help me. They would come with memories of stairs that we had climbed together. Stairs from football grounds, theme parks, car parks. When people stopped offering up information, I packed a bag, said my goodbyes, left my phone on the kitchen table and began to climb up the red kickstalls of my past. Voices from the art shop filled my head as I quickly rose up into the morning sky. Pretty much every minute I spent in that shop I thought I wanted to be somewhere else. Now I was somewhere else and I still didn't know where I wanted to be. I had always been afraid of heights but this just seemed different in some way. Like I was climbing up a memory that was never going to let me fall or maybe I was climbing up my own life. That's what I've got to do, I thought. Climb up my own life. Until I die. Different steps came with different memories. I knew I had climbed steps with my granny and grandpa, but couldn't remember them. And still can't. After a couple of years of climbing, I finally reached my destination. I had done that thing when you climb a hill and say... Don't look round at the view until we reach the top. When I stepped foot on the moon, my foot plummeted into its dust up to my knee. I felt a long way away from war and love and my friends and my family. I lifted my moon dust coated foot, looked round at the ball where we live and I could almost see the beautiful birds flying around it. I stood there for a minute in silence took a deep breath and began to make my way home on all the downward journeys I had ever made. On my return, I realised all the magic has been done down here. The beautiful, horrific, war-torn, bumbling, inspirational, unorganised chaos that is the human race on planet Earth. We only see the sun rise because the earth gives it something to rise from. 
The birds only fly because they've got something to land on. What is the sky without someone to look at it and someone to look at it with? The sky is the topping, but the earth is the cake. Every time I go up in a plane, I look forward to being above the clouds, but I feel such a sense of relief when I get my feet back on the ground. I know for a fact I am back where I belong, with the species I belong to, where I can say the words, the sky, and people know what I mean. If the world is a stage, the sky is the backdrop, and I don't know what kind of messed up comedy drama this life is, but I do know that this is my home. This is where I need to be. Whenever life gets too much, I can look up and escape to where life isn't, to prepare myself for where life is. The sky is as spacious as the future. The past is littered with what we've done, but the future is clear. As clear as when you look up and you can't see where it stops. I guess that's where the phrase, the sky's the limit comes from. There is nothing to stop you. <laughs>